welcome to the Mount Hammer podcast, episode 24, or XX1V, as Luke seems to have put on there. I presume that's right. Uh, I'm Mo, I'm here with Luke and Jonathan. How are you doing, fellas? I'm kind of okay. Kind of okay? Yeah. Jonathan's battling through a cold. He's yeah, a warrior. So, so if, I, um, if I sound a bit nasally, we'll just start coughing. Um, <laughs> just put up with it. If he just goes quiet for... 20 minutes, yeah. um, it's not gone well. He's <laughs> just laying on the floor. <laughs> we're in our we're shiny twitching. new, brand new offices, which is very nice. Yeah. We moved across town, we're in London Bridge now, so that's yeah. south of the river. Yeah, hanging out by the Thames. In my hood. Lovely time. <laughs> yeah. um, the brand new issue of Metal Hammer is out right now. <gasps> it is the great, I said last week it was a big one, I wasn't fucking around. Uh, the new issue, Features and stars the greatest, in my humble opinion, heavy metal band of all time. Iron Maiden are back on the cover of Metal Hammer. Uh, I went out to Stockholm a couple of weeks back. Uh, I kind of talked about how mad their new show is there. If you want to hear all about that in even more depth, you need to pick it up right now. We go access all areas inside the brand new, absolutely fucking massive and ridiculous Iron Maiden show. There's Spitfires, there's frame flamethrowers. There's brand new Eddies, new sets, uh, about 50 different costumes for Bruce Dickinson. Huh. We go into it all in depth, along with that very, very special set list that they've put together. Who did you speak to? Uh, I, good question. <laughs> I spoke to Steve Harris, uh, Dave Murray and Adrian Smith, all had very interesting takes on where Maiden are at right now in their career, what they think of the show, how the show came together, uh, and a little bit of a snippet of what might come next, courtesy Ooh. of Mr. Steve Harris. Uh, all very open as always, great to talk to the Maiden guys, um, absolute legends, still absolutely loving what they do, which is great. So if you want to read about that, pick up the new issue, and if you go pick up the new issue, and you like Iron Maiden, of course you do, not only do you get that wonderful feature featuring a very, very cool, uh, mostly unseen Eddie on the cover, you also get four exclusive Iron Maiden postcards, Never yep. before seen, brand new thing. A giant double-sided A1 Iron Maiden poster and a free copy of our Story of Metal ebook featuring you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Metallica, Motorhead, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, all the original greats. That's all in one issue. And that's just the start. <laughs> it is, mate. <laughs> Can I just say, don't mark yourself by actually sending the postcards to anyone. Keep them for yourself. Yeah, keep them. They are going to be collector's items one day, I promise you that. You cannot get those postcards or that poster anywhere else in the world. Or the Iron Maiden feature. It's all good, if we do so ourselves. Uh, of course, uh, it would be a miss to not count the fact that uh, Vinnie Paul passed away just as we were putting this issue together. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, Dom Lawson has written a very special and emotional uh, tribute to Vinny, his career, his life, featuring some very good names in there as well who knew him uh, very well indeed. So that's also in there. Uh, Mr. Morton Hello. Uh, went to hang out with Alison Chains in New York. In New York. To talk about Seattle. Yeah, it was. Yeah, what it was, happened there? <laughs> a lovely trip to New York. But yeah, to talk about Alison Chains' uh, new album, Rainier Fog, which I think is fucking great. It's very good. Uh, and yeah, we just hung out in New York, went to see them twice. I think, I think we talked about the shows on here. And yeah, just caught up with everyone in the band. So Joey had, and Will both had a lot to say about um, well, what it means to be in your 50s and in a massive rock band, really. And also why they went back to Seattle and what it meant for them. And yeah, any sort of ghosts rearing their heads. It is a very, very good interview, very emotional interview, I must say, as well. Uh, mad to think how many um, faces from the Seattle scene and the kind of scene that grew around that we've lost over the years, actually. 
Uh, so yeah, bit of Alice in Chains in the new issue, also very good. We catch up with Nightwish. Uh, Tour Mass tells us about the next chapter of their ever expanding, ever awesome career. Headlining Bloodstock in a couple of weeks. That's yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Freaking insane. Um, we got Dav and Danny from Barry tomorrow to interview each other. That was a very candid interview as well. We are on course there. for their highest ever chart position. They are, yeah. Uh, as we speak. Looking good for Barry tomorrow's highest ever chart position. Uh, young British metal smashing through the UK mainstream charts. How amazing is that? Go pick up Black Flame if you haven't already. It's a hell of an album. We got interviews with Cannibal Corpse, uh, Ghost, aka the kind of weird synth wavy one. Uh, <laughs> great young band called Pagan that we're going very big on there and there as well. We go inside this year's Golden God Awards. It was crazy. I had Ozzy, had Parkway Drive, Wes Borland, Lacuna Coil, Flaming Drum Kits, Chaos, Beer. Uh, the only absolute access all areas backstage, front of stage, front row, uh, insider look at that. You will only get it in the new issue. Uh, and we got Dead Safara from Devil Driver and Wednesday 13, kind of metal legend and punk, uh, horror punk legend, to sit uh, with each other and talk about country music. When outlaw country music. Outlaw country music. Uh, Devil Driver have done a kind of outlaw country metal covers album. Um, Wednesday's on it, so we got them together to talk about why country music is metal as fuck. It's very interesting. Jonathan, what's in Subterranean this month? Uh, well, we've got a cover story on uh, uh, extreme metal photographer Esther Sagara. She's kind of become known as kind of the extreme metal photographer. A metal hammer, um, know? Yes, um, yes, former metal hammer photographer, occasional, still occasional metal hammer photographer. Um, yeah, and she's um, she's kind of changed how people look at the extreme metal world. She's kind of one who's like totally sort of brought out the whole occult aspect and gets really good in depth. Um, uh, she used to get really like good in-depth sort of photo shoots with the people as well, and um, she has a story of her own to tell. Um, mm. And so she's got a new book out, and we went into a, a, about how the book came about, um, how the book also reflects her life as well too. So it's a really interesting piece. Cool. And um, and we've got a report by me on from when I went to no one surprise to Norway. Something <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I know. Um, off the coast of Bergen, uh, a couple of islands, to see a piece called Nordvegen which is um, Einar Selvik from Vardruna and Eva Bjornsson from um, Enslaved um, doing kind of the Hookshaw stuff. They did it last year and it's part of like a bigger festival called the Bergen International Festival. And so they, last year they played a few islands around Bergen so the whole albums are themed around kind of migration and identity and it's all about how uh, the first settlers came along the coast of Norway and how that, that was... And, those experiences and how it became part of the Norwegian identity, which is also kind of part of like being in transit, not just being very deeply rooted. So there's a lot of themes running about in that. So they, so they last year they previewed the the, the Hookshot album in full. This year they kind of mixed it up a little bit. They played some Vardruna songs, they played some Enslaved songs, but most importantly of all, they brought along this fairy singer called Ivor, or Ivor, I think is how you pronounce it. And she might not be very well known amongst many metal fans but if you're into that whole kind of pagan viking thing she's kind of a bit of a goddess mm. she has a song called troll abundant um uh which is just her and uh i guess a deer skin drum and it will set shivers up your spine and awesome and just somehow she, yeah, she's in touch with elements and spirits and um and she's lovely and <laughs> and she's nice <laughs> and, and, and she, has, she has this like um, just this most, one of the most incredible voices I've ever heard in my entire life just like kind of earthy very much with the, with the air as well too and so much control and so much 
some yeah so we 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 covered two of those two of those shows and um and awesome. in really special locales around Norway and um, yeah it's a really amazing experience incredible and you can only read that in the new issue of Subterranea which is inside the new issue of Melthammer uh, as we said all of that that Jonathan just talked about plus Iron Maiden um, our tribute to Vinnie Paul Alison Chains Nightwish Barry Tomorrow Cannibal Corpse Devil Driver Wednesday 13 Golden Gods all that free Megan and swag uh, out in shops right now go get it immediately I went to Pearl Jam last night and you seem very excited about it. I am very excited about it. Before I get to that though, um, I just want to say, last night uh, I was at the O2 Arena and for what it's worth, I think as, as actual arenas go, kind of like sonically and the kind of shows you can put together in it, it's a fucking great arena. Yep. No doubt about it. Some of the best arena shows I've ever seen have been there. That said, um, last night was the first time I've ever been to a gig in England where pints of beer, pints of 4% Beck's beer, it's perfectly reasonable beer in its own right, yeah, but still, yeah. it's not a kind of premium product. Um, have now gone past the seven pound mark. Oh, it cost seven quid for a pint of beer last night. Mate. And I just think... Fucking hell. I don't normally go up on this kind of stuff because when you're in London and you go to gigs, you kind of take it as just, you know, part what of the package you did, now. Yeah. You're going to have to spend a lot of money on beer. But um, we were at another gig at the O2 literally a few days before uh, that we'll talk about in a bit. Bit of a different vibe. Um, and the points there were like seven, uh, no, six eighty, weren't they? And we're like, yeah. oh my god, that's so expensive. Less than a week later, they've gone up to they've gone up twenty p <laughs> again. I'm sure there's oh. reasoning behind it that I'm not privy to. But seven pounds for a pint of beer, man, is fucking outrageous. And like, it's not worth it. No. And if you if you're you know, but uh, I don't know how much Pearl Jam tickets um, workers we press wankers, but I, I presume they're like not cheap. No, no, and when you're paying that kind of money for a gig anyway and then you have to factor in having a few pints of beer on top uh, a lot of people want to travel in from outside of London and stuff like that it's becoming genuinely uh, impossible to be able to afford to, to just go to gigs um, I just think I don't know how you can justify £7 for a pint of beer in this day and age it's too much it's getting out of control I don't know what the how people can stop that happening because it was fucking sold out yesterday or close yeah, to yeah. it so they're going to fill the, the venue people are going to buy it um, but yeah too bloody much I unbelievable just, I just wouldn't drink at those prices to be honest no I didn't I had one beer and that was and I saw the price <laughs> I was like oh, that's me done then yeah, 10 yeah. quid for a beer and a bottle of water fuck but, like <laughs> never go to Norway first of all yes fair point well made <laughs> but, you think but if you go to a gig in Norway chances are you're going to be you know you're not in like Near Canary Wharf. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a bit of a different vibe. Yeah, it's a different vibe, but you still be paying seven quid for the for the worst beer there is. Maybe they're just trying to take advantage of the fact that they think that people who are going to Pearl Jam gigs are well healed, and they think it like denotes some kind of sign of quality or something, even though it's just Beck's beer. God, I, don't, I don't, I don't know what what other reason they would have to do it other than it's just a basic, just basic yeah. exploitation. I mean, Pearl Jam are definitely in that kind of you know middle class dad kind of fan base mm. area now. I know that's very, there's a gross bit of stereotyping, but you know, they are, their, their fans aren't all kind of poverty stricken grunge kids anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's the first time I've ever felt compelled to actually go, this is bullshit. Yeah. I, ca I can't, much. like I can't afford to that, to, to, to have a night out on those kind of prices. And I was lucky enough to not have to pay for my ticket. So it's just, mm. I don't know, it's ridiculous. That all said, um, Pearl Jam last night was one of the best arena shows I have ever been to in my life. I'm not a big Pearl Jam guy. They would be rock bottom of my 
grunge big four, right. which is a topic for another time, I think. Um, yeah, never uh, definitely like a greatest hits and ten and a bit of verses kind of guy. Uh, and I only knew about a third of the set they played. They played for about three hours and ten minutes last night uh, or something. Uh, they came on just after eight. They didn't get off stage until about twenty past eleven. Um, they played. I mean, they did play a lot of songs I knew. You know, they obviously played Alive. They played Jeremy. Uh, I think they played Go. Um, like, you know, m- most of the big hits you probably hope they play. Mm. I didn't know pretty much anything else they played, <laughs> uh, but the whole thing was just so enrapturing and so kind of emotionally driven. Um, they had for a show that size they had a fairly minimal stage show they had these big kind of uh, like disco ball type things that kept raising and uh, lowering throughout the set and that was about it really apart from the screens Uh, but it just didn't matter because it just felt everyone was totally emotionally invested in what was going on Eddie Vedder I know everyone goes to Dave Grohl as the natural choice but I think Eddie Vedder has got to be seen as the most lovable man in rock and roll he's unbelievable every time he opened his mouth it felt like people were totally into what he was saying um, he was like he just seemed so grateful to be there. He was so happy to be there. He was so apologetic about the fact that they had to postpone the gig originally because mm. he blew his voice out. It's like one well, of the first time that's ever happened to him. He spent about ten minutes apologising for it. And everyone else was like, "It's fine." <laughs> do another song. Yeah, yeah do yeah, another song. Paid, for, paid lots of money for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, they fucking got their money's worth from the ticket at least. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, and uh, and after what happened with them, um, when uh, uh, a couple of people. Um, uh, Oh shit, hold on. Let me just look that up quickly before I go into that. I can't remember who died in the Pearl Jam group. Pearl Jam crowd dies. Good. <laughs> yeah, nine dead at Pearl Jam concert. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and uh, like every time um, he uh, the crowd got a bit too rowdy. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the most out of control crowd I've seen, but there was a lot of jumping around, mm. a lot of moshing, a few few pits and stuff going off. Um, Eddie would always just take a moment to get people to step back or uh, you know look after each other help people up um, even mid song he'd kind of just quickly look over and go hey security can we look over that guys and stuff um, and all that kind of stuff and if you know the history of Pearl Jam um, they, there was a, a really tragic incident that happened at a concert of theirs at Roskilde Festival in the early 2000s where nine people died and, a, and a, a thing like a few dozen got injured on top of it um, so every time he kind of goes into that crowd safety thing, you know, it really means something to them. Mm. There's this real kind of fragility about it or the way they the way they kind of talk about it and stuff. So, it, yeah, it was very emotional. It was very cathartic. Um, they played through two encores. And I think between the two encores, they had about 11 songs in them. And it, it's, again, oh, I'm not a Pearl Jam guy, so on paper I'd have been like, fuck this. But it, w- it was just so good. The, they put the house lights up at 11, so they were clearly the gig was supposed to be done yeah, 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 and they just kept going and they kept going and they kept going and when they finished the main set um, which I think was on a live or they might have played one more after that they did a proper big goodbye goodbye speeches big team bow all the shit and it was like right they're probably going now arena started to empty we were halfway down the stairs um, on our way out they ran back on again and did this kind of super punk rock high octane version of All Along the Watchtower by Bob Dylan uh, it was just and everyone came running back in again and went up That's so like, good. I felt like I could watch it forever it was honestly one of the best gigs I've been to in a long long time and this has been a fucking good year for gigs so yeah, yeah. I don't say that lightly so yeah um, fully converted Pearl Jam Excellent. Band, I, think. I was absolutely blown away and a slightly different vibe even though it was at the same venue, yeah. to what Luke and I went to on Friday night. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that more? Uh, yeah, we went to see uh, the Muppets take the O2. 
Yes, uh, um, come on. Uh, yeah, we had, didn't, had no idea what to expect because they've never been to the UK in their entire you know, 60 odd year history, however long the Robbers have been going. And it was just, it was the best thing I've ever seen. It was, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. It had no right to be that good. It, it really didn't. Everything was like, they set it up as like a sort of, oh, it's a show uh, and there's going to be some skits and there's going to be some special guests. But there's no, there was no narrative to it. There was no sort of like, other than the fact that no one, there was this joke that Kermit had no idea what to do and why the show was going so long. There was no narrative, it wasn't a story. It was just sketches and songs. Yeah. It was just an episode of the original Muppet Show. Yeah. Did they have two old guys up in well, the- Well, Statler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they're, 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 they're on screen. Like, they're, everyone you wanted to see, like Gonzo came out quite a lot. Um, Swedish Be- Chef. Swedish Chef was amazing. Beaker was brilliant. Beaker was brilliant, singing Bohemian Rhapsody. It's even uh, the little characters though, like the fish lad, what's he called? The guy that chucks fish around with the frill around his Oh yeah, I have no idea what his name like was. That guy turned up at one point. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just, just amazing. It, it was so, so like Miss Piggy singing Hello by Adele yeah. was amazing. Celebrity cameos off the charts. Yeah, Kylie Minogue came out for Manamana. Yeah. As oh, you man. do. That was it. Kylie, they literally started doing Manamana and then put the spotlight in the crowds. Kylie Minogue was there. <laughs> Oh, um, I think it was planned. Yeah, uh, and uh, then she came up and did Manamana, and that was her bit. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was it. it. Like one of the biggest pop stars of all yeah. time. Yeah, and David Tennant as Doctor Who, coming up in Pigs in Space. Is yeah, one of the best that was amazing. I, lost I my am shit. actually super jealous. It was so good. Yeah. It was honestly. I, I, it, when I when I was at school, it was better than we were even making it sound. And a lot of people are probably listening to this guy, and I can't even that good. But it was it was, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, it was like what an hour and a half, and it's a massive smile on my face the entire time. Yeah. It was so much fun. And Charles Dance, aka Tywin Lannister, coming out and trying to do a uh, dance with Pepe, uh, didn't he? Yeah, he was reading like a Wordsworth poem, like getting really emotional and deep about it. And then Pepe the King Prawn came out and just did this whole rave. Thing. Yeah, and Charles Dance was kind of like Diplo, like trance house <laughs> yeah. track over the top of it. And then Charles Dance ended up I sounded so old saying that. Though. Yeah, Diplo trance house track. What the fuck am I on about? And then yeah, Charles Dance ends up dancing, and it all goes really stupid. I love the fact that someone literally just went Charles Dance. <laughs> that was that's where the whole yeah. sketch came from. Fuck him. So good. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was if, so. I don't know so if they'll do it again fun. because it, it wasn't sold amazingly well. The top tier was all curtained off. Yeah, they were doing um, three days at the O2 though, which is sixty thousand people. So I can see why, bold, they, why they didn't. So I hope they do it again. And if they do it again, Jesus Christ, go see it. Yeah, do the Muppets Christmas Carol Santa. live next time. Ooh. That's what we want. Get Kane in. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> Kane. Michael Caine. Sorry, I was thinking the, the rest, rest of the, of the, rest of the <laughs> Michael Caine. I was miles yeah, away. I was like, yeah, get Caine in. Brilliant. One more day till Christmas. Um, <laughs> One for the 90s. That man. was niche, yeah. Shout out, 98. Uh, <laughs> Opeth have 12 new songs written for their next album, apparently. They do. I've got a quote here from, <laughs> from a guitarist, Frederick, who basically says that, they want, that he wants 15 songs uh, and they've written 12. And that, and he says, it's very specific. I know, he says, compared to the last three albums, I would say this album is more complex, more energetic, and I think it's going to be something. Yeah, that's what people say about Opeth, too simplistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make it more complex. Well, they are one of Blink 182 of Sweden. Well, the, the last. The last... <laughs> no, no, no. What do you want for the new Opeth album? Um, well, I like the last album. It was much more kind of refined uh, the, uh, album than the previous one. I like it when they go off the charts because. Um, no matter how far off they go, it's just their personality kind of holds it all together and that warmth in the music and uh, Mark Ackerfeld's voice. 
So um, I was really happy, you know, I love all the early albums, but I was really, I, I didn't mind when they dropped all the death metal vocals. I just thought they're going to a much more kind of pure idea of what they were going to do. I do, I do miss it a little bit, the um, juxtaposition of the two, mm. but I, I love the last two, I love the last two albums. And um, my advice, go crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Why not? Um, on a slightly different vibe. Papa Roach also back in the studio. Yeah, there's no real news about it other than um, there's been it's an Instagram post. I think it's either on Jacoby's account or Papa Roach's official one of just like a whiteboard of saying we are and some and the eyeball emoji and lots of things crossed out like what they're recording that day or whatever. So yeah, like, this will be their tenth Papa Roach album, I think, which is mental. I, and also, just generally speaking, shout out Papa Roach. Like, if ever the term survivors, as far as the industry goes applies to any band that's them. I don't think many would have thought that the band that came out with Last Resort, which comes off one of the greatest albums ever, by the way, like Infest is an incredible record. One of the best albums ever. Oh, best new metal album. <laughs> yeah, I'd say All right, album. best albums of 2000. Okay, right, fine. I would back that. Yeah, there's loads of them. Come yeah, on, yeah. man. You listen to that back, it's like a great hits album. Yeah, to be fair, when we saw them do that in full, what was it, the Roundhouse? Yeah, the Roundhouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe Ever's not quite right, but definitely of the era, um, you still probably wouldn't have backed them to still be going, and not just going, but be probably as big as they've ever been. Yeah, they still. Like Brixton last time I saw them. That's insane, isn't it? Really, that's five thousand people. For, yeah, yeah, London. The last resort, and yeah, I'm not a, 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 probably not as big a Papa Roach fan as you, maybe, but they've always, you know, there's always at least one song per album that's just like, yeah, this is I kind of feel like that's where they're at now. Um, yeah, Breaking Teeth was a good album, actually. It had a bit more of the new metal influence coming back in, which is always good with me. But uh, I think they're, for me anyway, they're definitely one of those. They'll put an album out, they'll have a couple of real bangers on it, they'll put those into the set and they'll carry on and on. Yeah. Uh, and one of the best live shows going still. Jacoby's an unbelievable front man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got he's got the energy. He moves around a lot more than some of the other new metal vocalists from, from that era who just sort of stand there now. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Big ass Papa Roach and Opeth. And Opeth. <laughs> Smallest board of, of metal coming your way next year. We are diverse. So in other news, um Erland Hjelvik. Yeah. I believe it's Helvik, yeah. Uh, has left has quit Cavill Attack. That or, or, sucks. Or Cavill Attack. Yeah. Um yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, that's great front man of one of the best young bands that have emerged this decade, I think. I mean, Jonathan, you pretty much uh, were the one that flagged Cavell Attack to the Metal Hammer office when that yeah. album first came out. Yeah, do you remember? Like, I remember, like, we got the album, I had it on my headphones. It was just before I joined, actually. Yeah, and that the second song, it goes, like, whoosh, and it's like, you and your headphones, it's like, fuck. Now, you know the kind of music I normally like, and things sound very different when I put it on the office stereo and I'm hearing stuff how other people are hearing it as yep. opposed to how I'm hearing it. Sure. And, um, but this one, I put, I said, everyone said in the office, you have to listen to this. And I knew they would get the same rush of the whoosh that I got. And the whole office was just like, fuck! <laughs> and um, yeah, we were, so we were kind of one of the first people to, we, we pretty much were the first magazine in the UK to really start pushing them. Yeah, yeah, you were. But, That's why I, I read about them for the first time. Yeah. And, um, but I think as well, just because I think everyone who heard that first album had that exact same feeling, just like, yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. And, Still um, to this day, I would say, since I've been writing about music, yeah. I would say, I can't think, This Is The Six is probably up there, but I'd probably say the first Cavalier Attack album. I don't know if I've ever had an album where I was like, I had the reference points, but I couldn't quite put my finger on what the fuck I was listening to. I was like, this is insane. Yeah, like, like, it no, still stands up now, nearly... Yeah, eight years later. Well, every time you hear it, you still feel like you're hearing it for the first time. Yep. 
Uh, but, you know, it had so much stuff like, you know, a bit of black metal, hardcore, obviously loads of Turbo Negro. Mm. And also that whole sound that they did via Turbo Negro. Now, almost every... New, everywhere, yeah. No, but everywhere in Norway, like every Norwegian band has a little bit of that sound mm -hmm. in them. And it's really identifiable, you know, up to, like, the likes of Fight, Fight the Fights, but loads of bands in between. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like what happened after that never quite lived up to that first no. burst. No. The next two albums, both really good. I didn't really like the kind of status quo dad rock stuff they did on the last album, no, if I'm being honest. I didn't like, it. of all the diversions they could have taken, that wasn't one I really wanted to hear from Cabana. Yeah, but I just think if you're not going to get that that quite the same level of energy on album number three, just kind of be comfortable in your own shoes. And it sounded yeah, like a little band kind of come from their own shoes. And I quite liked it for that level. And, um, you know, you're never going to get, uh, you know, an album like that first one again. No, of course. Off but, well, um, especially now. Yeah, well, it did. I mean, what I'm kind of hoping might happen is, is you know, it felt like Caval Attack were in a bit of a weird holding pattern, which is really an odd thing to say for a band that just supported Metallica on their last UK tour. Um, so, I don't know. I kind of, I feel like they are a band that still have more to give, and I still feel like there's another truly great, like, holy shit, Caval Attack are back album mm. in them. Mm. And hopefully this new vocalist, which I think they're going to reveal on tour quite soon. Yeah, okay. this Friday, yeah. Oh, this Friday, really? Oh, cool. I'm, I'm really curious to know. I'll yeah, well, hopefully what? it'll be someone that can... Uh, they don't need re-energising because they're still a great live band, but just give, uh, give a little something that can take them forward because I don't feel like they've gone forward so much. Yeah, I mean, obviously the new vocalist is going to have someone something to prove. I'm really curious to know who it is, if it's someone who has been in the scene in other bands yeah. or... Um, mm. They, uh, I don't know who's around that could just kind of slot in that we don't really know about. But um, and also, will they be sticking owls on their heads? That's what I was thinking. We yeah. do the whole owl thing. I yeah. guess maybe it is. Maybe it's time for a new bird. <laughs> yeah. Pigeon. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> mallard duck. Yeah, it's always a, a you know it's always a big moment after a, a singer leaves a band. And, and again, with Cabell Attack, I don't feel like. Erlen's left at a point where they're at critical mass like if he'd left 18 months after the first yeah. album you'd be like oh fuck mm. whereas now I kind of feel like it's an opportunity yeah it's not like Kvalitak are treading water necessarily but they just you know, at the end, tail end of last year they toured with Metallica and in all honesty I don't think it's done them many favours it's not like you suddenly see Kvalitak everywhere after touring with one of the biggest bands yeah. ever it's hard to know isn't it because Metallica fans are probably quite partisan and you probably get a lot of Especially at an O2 gig, there's like 20,000 people each night, for instance. I know they did other marina gigs as well. You get um, you get a lot of fans that it's probably, they don't go to a lot of gigs. They're kind of like, yeah. kind of a bit more, not part-time metal fans, but they, they're not that bothered about new bands. And, and no, I don't no, think no, a band yeah. like a Velatac is probably going to make like a more casual metal fan go, oh shit, I need to go check these guys out. No, completely. But, but I wonder if the later albums were kind of response to playing in larger venues. Like, I remember Quite seeing, possibly, yeah. you know, that a sound that's going to fit because you listen to I remember seeing him at the borderline my chair's really creaky sorry I can't do anything about it <laughs> sorry carry on <laughs> I remember seeing him at the borderline and it was rammed and uh, the, the whole audience went off like a firecracker and like that first album was really good for sweaty mm, definitely sweaty venues with low ceilings and um, and maybe they're not playing those venues anymore so maybe they needed a sound that kind of fitted the larger venues that they yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's fair but I don't know I just think you can I think the I think writing songs to fit larger venues is important, and I think bands that totally ignore that, are, you know, or may, may, potentially maybe missing. I mean, maybe it's, it's probably yeah. nothing that deliberate, but it's just no, like you are playing. It's a natural progression. Think, yeah, it makes you think more about the space and exactly. Yeah, but you look at kind of 
I look at I think Code Orange is, is probably the obvious reference point for this like that's a band that are going to be playing bigger and bigger venues and I can't see them suddenly playing status quo songs yeah. on the next album yeah, you know what I mean yeah the whole new oasis yeah exactly like I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily the way you need to go but um, yeah but at least we're all talking about them I don't think we've all sat and talked about Kurt's no no it's right, so. a shame really everyone should listen to that debut record yeah one of the best debuts not in the 10 years literally of all time like it's yeah. absolutely flawless I agree with that uh, so yeah good luck to them Definitely pulling through them and hopefully it'll give them a, a good injection of, um, of uh, momentum that they might need. What have the wonderful readers of facebook.com forward slash Melhammer <laughs> readers <laughs> been asking us this week? Well, Merlin, let's probably go on for you, Jonathan, as the extreme metal yeah. expert. Uh, Brendan Crabb asks, uh, will extreme metal bands eventually reach a point where it can't get any heavier? Is there a limit to it all? Discuss, he says. <laughs> well, I think in the history of everything, anyone who's ever said we've reached the point now where nothing new is going to be done has always been made to look stupid. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so there'll always be something like that will just be like beyond what you thought was possible. I remember first time I heard Anana Thrak, and I was just like, holy fuck. But you know, uh, that was um, something else. And you hear certain kind of doom bands just like ridiculously slow funeral doom bands it's just like different kind of heavy and it just pulls the oxygen out of your lungs and there's there's there would always be something that will be something that you hadn't thought of or imagined and don't assume that the limits of your imagination are matched by the limits of mm. people who do this shit for a living and also it's like it depends what heavy is someone yeah. I was out with um, uh, Steve Hill I have his own um, yesterday before Pearl Jam and he had a friend there who's kind of like kind of what we were talking about that kind of slightly casual rock fan yeah um, and he said he asked me what the heaviest thing I'd ever listened to was and he said he kind of said oh the heaviest thing I've ever listened to was Cannibal Corpse and I was like you know that's a pretty fair, fair shout really yeah. they are an extreme metal band and whatnot. but I could listen to like an electric wizard riff and to me that sounds heavier than what Cannibal Corpse do yeah you know there's extremity and heaviness isn't really the same thing yeah. no that's what I was going to say you need to define what it is because like um, you know you go and see Sun for the first time yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's pretty much as heavy as it gets yeah. and, and, it's just, and it's just like you know it's like you don't have the sonic mental enzymes to process it yeah, yeah. and to me that's what heaviness is about yeah uh, or seeing Germanic Alas who's just a singer on the piano mm. at Roadburn and um everyone basically clawing at the doors to get out <laughs> <laughs> which they weren't allowed they wouldn't allow they wouldn't allow the um the uh doors people to come in or out during during a song and so of course she did her most extreme out there song for the first song Brilliant. and yeah yeah you know, sit there and take it fuck. yeah it. it is and all the all the um security were just like aghast even with their headphones and everything yeah and um yeah so there'll always be something and it doesn't come from um, you know, people trying to go, well, let's be heavier than that. It comes from people who feel they need to say something, and this is the only way that we have to say it. Yeah. I think people can confuse, like you mentioned extremity, like I think intensity for heaviness. Like we went to see Mysticum, for example, which yeah. was one of the most intense and horrible things I've ever seen. But it's not the heaviest thing I've ever seen. It was just a fucking barrage of noise. And, and the visuals, with the visuals. Yeah, and the visuals, you know, it, it, Basically, like, I, I think they genuinely have broken yeah. something. Yeah, but, but but the what they did with the visuals on that, they had these three plinths, and there were also video screens. You're just uh, saying the word Satan over and over oh, yeah. again. And, and just, they had three more screens behind them, and they're standing on top of the plinths, and there's this black and white imagery just pouring out of you. 
and yeah, just felt my eyeballs better as well. I had no depth. Yeah, I had to look at the floor after a while. It was just yeah, I had, no, I had no depth perception for about an hour afterwards. <laughs> but, it's just, but it's just one of those gigs that's just like, you know, it's just imprinted into your, into your memory. Mm. It's just like, um, so yes, yeah, so there's all different kinds of heaviness. And but is there a limit? Can you get heavier than sun? Well, maybe, probably. Someone just hasn't done it yet. Let's turn yeah. it louder. Well, now when we hear it, <laughs> don't we? Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Very, uh, yeah. It's a challenge. Someone go be heavier than sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aaron White asks, and it's a good question actually, why do you think Volby hasn't had the same success in the UK as they've had in mainland Europe and America? Hmm. I Interesting don't know. I think, I think it's a weird one because there's a lot of bands. Bearing in mind to... that they did have the biggest, well, one of the biggest crowds that I downloaded this year. Yeah, yeah, know. definitely. And there's a lot of bands that are not, not necessarily the same as Bobby, but that are massive in America that aren't massive here. That we like bands like Godsmack and bands like Shine Down. Shine Down. Yeah, there's that big sort of arena rock that just doesn't catch on in the UK. Radio at all. Metal. Yeah, that doesn't I, catch on in a small island as opposed to having this vast sort of landmass mm-hmm. to yeah. kind of sing to. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think, to be fair, I think UK fans, you know, myself included, are very cynical towards that sort of thing. I think we see it as just a big, dumb metal. I think, there's no artistic integrity to this, blah, 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 blah. And you just dismiss it and think it's stupid. Whereas, you know, millions and millions of people in the US and Europe love it. And I, but I think the UK's got a fixation on things being real and, and mm. which is not necessarily a bad thing but I think there's a lot of those like I say radio rock bands that just don't catch on over here and I just don't, I don't know why I think with Volby especially um, it's, that it's interesting that you said um, it's interesting that you said Europe and America because what Volby does that's a tiny bit different is that there's that there is that slight Europeanness to them there's something about them that, that's kind mm. of like and I don't mean this as an insult at all that slight lack of self-awareness like that's like I don't want to say Eurovision equality, but that just kind of shameless, yeah, cheesy, yeah. like, we do this and this is what yeah. we do. And when you cross that with, like Luke said, the kind of US radio metal thing, you get a funny little melting pot that I think makes Volby quite unique, actually. Um, and yeah, they haven't quite, you, you go over to mainland Europe and they play fucking massive venues over here. And they they, they headline like the there. biggest festival. Yeah, I, I saw, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw yeah. Wacken last year and they had the biggest crowd, but not just that, like all the security people were, were dancing to it. Mm. So they have this kind of every man quality. Definitely, definitely. Um, that I don't know if there's receptors for that in UK. It's like, in, like say in Germany, there's um, the rock crowd and the mass market crowd are much more... Um, you know, they're much more part of one thing. There's much more overlap between a middle market and a rock crowd. Mm. And we don't quite have that kind of crossover mm. in, in England that they have in Germany or maybe in the US. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very strange thing that they're, they're not quite, they don't have quite the same effect over here. I think they could get there though. Bobby to me are one of those bands that I think could end, you know, Malham has always pushed them pretty hard. We're, we're very much blind them, but on a kind of wider level, they've not had a lot of major press they kind of remind me of Five Finger Death Punch in a way but less kind of bespoken to proper metalheads in that I could see them one day just announcing that they, they're headlining Wembley Arena and we're all like yeah, yeah fuck how did that happen like they go quite under the radar will be and I, and, I, and I actually think they could get there but I think they don't have the same hype um, and you know they're very much kind of just heads down doing what they do so they don't have that they're very cool like Michael's very fucking cool rock and roll front man mm. but they don't have that kind of 
I mean, I just mentioned Five Finger, like there's always a bit of drama there. There's this kind of combustible, exciting element about them. And, and Volbeat are just kind of like, we just get up and play rock and roll songs. Yeah. And that's what they do. I think that's yeah. it. There is no edge to them. It is just very much, we're a rock band. Mm. And then that's it. That's as far as you go with Volbeat. So like, what can you say about them? Oh, they're a rock band. They play rock songs. That's pretty much all anyone knows about them. And mm. it's just, that's just what they do. And that's fine. But it, like I say, there's no, there's no, and there's nothing else to it, but I don't think sometimes you don't need anything else. But no. also bear in mind the lag that it took, because um, it goes way back, like for Nightwish and within Temptation yeah. Yeah. to hit the UK in quite the same way. Mm. Yeah. And you know, it was quite a long time because because both those bands, particularly Nightwish, flew under the British radar for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even when they were playing um, the, the Astoria, they still didn't. It still wasn't quite. Still wasn't quite the, the phenomenon that it is now. Mm-hmm. So that they took a long time. And let me just add that I'm not a big fan of Volbeat, but I love their rum. The rum's amazing. The rum. They paid you to say that. No, I just it's really good. <laughs> Hashtag Fair ad. Riffs and rum. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I think Volbeat. I don't know. I think they're good. I think they're still going to eventually be quite a big deal over here, especially judging by as we said that download crowd. Uh, ben Wilmot asks. One of the most frequent comments from the... <laughs> I'm just going to say, these are Ben Wilmot's comments, not ours, right? <laughs> One of the most frequent comments from the Grebos on your main Facebook page. Uh, what's Metal Hammer doing talking about this non-metal band? Uh, yeah, we do get quite a lot of that. Yeah, we do. That idiocy aside, where do you guys draw the line in terms of what gets covered by Metal Hammer and what doesn't? And was there much arguing when you first started covering the synthwave movement? Um... The simple answer to that is, if we think it's relevant to metal as a culture and to metal heads, we'll cover it. And that mm. can range from, you know, ironclad, really obvious choices like, I mean, in the current issue of Metal Hammer, we've got Maiden, Pantera, Ozzy, Parkway Drive, Cannibal Corpse. No one's ever going to argue about those bands being a Metal Hammer. We also gravitate to Alice in Chains are in the new issue. now. Some people think of them as a grunge band, some people think of them as a metal band, but I think no one's doubting, we were just talking about heaviness, they're a fucking heavy band. So even though they don't quite come from the same, they're not cut from the same cloth as those other bands I've just mentioned, to me, they're absolutely relevant to Metal Hammer. Um, You talked about, Ben just talked about Synthwave, and we've got Synthwave Ghosts uh, in the new issue. And the reason we're covering Synthwave a lot is because even though it's it's EDM, it's dance music, it speaks to the same kind of subversiveness and counterculture movement that metal does. And when you go to those gigs, it's a ton of metal fans that are there. And yeah. those guys are metal fans. And at the, at the end of the day, it all kind of comes from that kind of 80 schlocky action movie horror vibe, which if, you know, if you're a metalhead, chances are you're going to be, you're going to be a John Carpenter fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it's all from the same pot. So it's, it's just simply what we feel... Um, people are talking about in our scene you know yeah. we look at what people are talking about we listen to what our readers are, are interested yeah. in and we and we will reflect that yeah it's an, it's an instinct as well too like you know metal is part of like an ecosystem of music I know there's a lot of kind of non-metal bands that especially in the extreme metal world that every metal every metal head loves like Dead Can Dance or Fields of Nephilim and they get it on a spiritual level almost in a way and they're definitely non-metal but they tote but you know they're totally um relate to the metal world and they actually illuminate the metal world to a large extent as well too and that's a big point mm-hmm. is that it's not just um, it's non-metal stuff that metal people might like it tells us a lot more about a lot what goes into the extreme metal world because you know mostly the artists they're not just they're not just listening to heavy metal no they listen to lots of other things nope and Absolutely. um you know it's like when i when i i was a huge fan of woven hand which is you know, this weird sort of um 
deeply Christian Americana band, but dark as voodoo as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I, it's only later on I discovered like so many other metalheads absolutely love that band. Des Fafaro, who's in um, this issue, he's a huge fan of his uh, the singer's previous band, uh, Sixteen Horsepower. He even covered one of their songs mm. um, as Devil Driver, uh, Black Soul Choir. Um, uh, Alan von Pomodoro's favorite band is Open Hand, and um, so yeah, yeah, people just get where people sort of get where, where certain bands are coming from. Yeah, and it's from a non mass market kind of very um, outside position absolutely and, and that's outside a country as well too that extends to beyond music you know we we will cover I mean Luke and I happen to be big wrestling fans for for instance which obviously means we're a bit biased but you know uh, we, we've done interviews with wrestlers like Paige and Alistair Black and Becky Lynch and those guys because you know that's not that's not metal in of itself but that is a culture that is very much on the same kind of, like I said, counterculture mm. wavelength. It's part of the same thing. Um, I would totally, if, if we could find the right angle for it, I would totally run a Run the Jewels interview with Metal Hammer if we could find an interesting yeah. thing to talk to them about because that's, you know, they're a hip hop group, but I think they would, if Andy Coppin happens to be paying attention, I think they would smash <laughs> Download if they got booked for Download. Yeah, stick because, them on before the Prodigy. Yeah, Do exactly. The, the Prodigy, brilliant example. We've covered the Prodigy tons of times because. Metalheads love them because they're not, you know, it's not fucking. I was about to say Skrillex, but quite a lot of metalheads do like Skrillex. <laughs> but you know, it's not Diplo, it's not like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that shit. Yeah, you know, it's not the proper. I like a bit of Diplo actually. So, okay. uh, so yeah, uh, and when, you know, when we went into covering Synthwave, um, there wasn't really that much argument in the office not because really. we all kind of heard it and we all went. Yeah, this feels this feels relevant, but you do have to see it live to really get it. I think. Yeah, because it yeah. came up through the metal underground, and a lot of the the bigger names in it, like Perturbator and Ghost and whoever mm. else, Carter Brute, were playing metal festivals. Like I saw Perturbator last year at Roadburn, and then Ghost and Ghost played. I mean, he played Roadburn again this year, mm-hmm. and you know, Carter Brute's touring with fucking touring with Youth Code, who are yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they were just like fucking yeah, mad, mad metal band. But we have to understand that like a lot of this stuff, it all has its roots in punk rock. Yep. Um, and so you know, we all kind of share like it's a common DNA, and you know, punk rock was wasn't just one thing, wasn't the sex You know, it grew into a very sort of left field avant-garde and electronic and dub and you know so much you know there's this nucleus but so much rich stuff came out of it hmm. and I think people instinctively recognise when, when someone has the same roots in that punk scene mm-hmm. and it's so much of metal has its roots in the punk scene as well too you know Motorhead and I mean the funny thing is about what Ben's question really gets to is that I mean if you're gonna obviously always open to debate on this stuff metal is a discourse and every point of view as far as the actual music goes is welcome but when it comes to people going, why are you covering this? It isn't metal. Uh, that, uh, just as much of the time, they'll be talking about baby metal or Foo Fighters or you know yeah. stuff but, which is plainly in Metal Hammer as well. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not even up for debate that we'd be covering those yeah. bands. Yeah. But, but if you say something's not metal, it can mean one or two things. It can mean either that um, it doesn't have the same musical uh, aspects mm. as metal, or it doesn't have the value system that you think metal has. So yep, very fair. So you know, you know, when, like when we um did the a few years back, we did the heavy metal as a religion. Yes, uh, on the, the, se- on the on census. census, yeah. And it took me a long time to decide whether I was actually going to do it, and I did because I realised I got more of my personal values from heavy metal than I did from any 
any any other sort of background that I had. Mm. And um, so, so that, to me, that was saying that metal is essentially a value system. Mm. And so, when people say something's not metal, um, they might that they might also mean it's not metal in terms of the values of metal. So you play a metal riff and still not you know if you say you know from this perspective, you can play a metal riff and still not be metal. But but again, that can be a kind of false flag in itself because they're basically nine times out of ten they'll be saying that because they see a metal band who have slightly cleaner cut haircuts and kind of sceny quote unquote looking tattoos and play kind of more polished metalcore but then when he and, and I get that it's not it's, it's not subversive in the same way um, and it can sometimes be a bit cynical but if you actually talk to the people making this music there's no real difference in the place they come from really it's just they've kind of done it a slightly different way um, but the point is that we'll still cover that you know we'll mm. cover the Amity Affliction we'll cover Cannibal Corpse we will cover Perturbator and we will cover I don't know Electric Wizard whoever the hell you want yeah um, you know it, it's all it's all under our umbrella and if people want to talk about it we'll talk about it you know where we are come talk to us and we'll, we'll listen to what you have to say I see one last thing so it boils down to is when I started at Hammer um, your predecessor Merlin Alexander Miners uh, I had a conversation with him like about what goes in the magazine. He said it might not be metal, but it is hammer, and that's basically the, the, like it's, it's might not sound like metal, but it belongs in our but, little yeah. ecosystem. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Very good point. Metal Hammer has its own ecosystem as well, and we're proud to have you all part of it, lovely listeners and readers. Uh, final question comes from Daniel Vizi, uh, who asks or, or says, if you have a time machine, uh, what gig in history would you attend? Go. Well, the obvious one would be Iron Maiden at the Carton Horses. Yeah. Uh, just seeing them back in, just, yeah, just wondering what that must have been like. Obviously, they had Paul Diano at the time, and they'd been much more punky, mm. but it must have been amazing. And just going there and just, not, not just say that I was there, but to be able to put that against what they are now. I'm sure there's... Yeah, a, well, we were just talking about the nucleus of punk, kind of, yeah. how it's evolved, and yeah, 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 Maiden yeah. are a fascinating example of that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'm sure it's not... You know, they've changed hugely but uh, you can still hear all that in there but that's the obvious one um, I'd have liked to have seen um, uh, Jimi Hendrix lighting the guitar on fire uh, um, yes yeah, what's yeah. What's yeah. and um, talking of like who are the heaviest bands in the world um, I'd like to have seen a band called Suicide which is one of the most heaviest records I've ever heard um, and one of the most disturbing records I've ever heard and one of the most like you're not allowed to do that records in their debut album <laughs> but um, they're one of the few bands who, whose stuff was so like what the fuck that they actually started a riot when they played in New York amazing so, awesome um, yeah so that seems to me like a real major point in history of just like going there when you have no reference points for it and um, yeah everyone go listen to Suicide by Suicide it will it's amazing and it will freak the fuck out of you awesome um Mine, uh, I mean, a kind of obvious big scale one is the Metallica Guns N' Roses co-headliner yeah. in the early 90s before James Hetfield blew himself up. Good night out. Um, that'd be a good night out. Also, I didn't actually get to see Manson live until Golden Age of Grotesque, and he was still putting on a wicked show at that point, but he just started to go past the, the points of kind of edginess and genuine kind of electricity and excitement. Um, I, would have I mean, there was a famous Astoria show he played on Antichrist Superstar. I'd love to have gone to that. Yeah. Also, the Astoria show that Slipknot played. Correct. The one I'd have loved to have been at that as well. But it was just a tiny bit, about a year or two before I was 
getting into London for gigs. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, and and yeah, obviously early Maiden as well. But again, with the with the set they're playing at the moment, I kind of yeah. Don't feel any regrets about not catching me. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of videos. I never got to see Emperor play in the original days. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd very much like to. I've seen the Misfits back in the day. I mean, shit, that's that, a great that, show. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, like a lot of those, I've had a lot of those sort of American punk bands. Like I'd love to have seen Black Flag mm. back in the day and yeah. Dead Kennedys. But I say Slipknot at the Astoria. I'd love to have seen because I didn't see Slipknot until 2008. I think was the first time I saw them. Oh wow! Yeah, it was quite late. Um, because you know, I grew up in a town where no gigs happened and <laughs> none of us could drive. Um, but yeah, a bit of a sort of. You said not never played Lincoln. I know, exactly. it's surprising, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was Sheffield Arena is where I saw them for the first. But I think I was on the um, All Hope is Gone tour, which was great. I loved it. I was on the second row, but I'd love to have seen them on like, the Iowa tour and it, yeah, it probably yeah. would have killed me. There's certain times you catch a band at a at a point in time. That's the thing. That once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, there's like no, he said what gig, there's not, a, I can't think of any gig, pinpointing things like, oh, I wish I would have been like, yeah, you mentioned Woodstock, like, I'd love to have gone to Live Aid, for example, I think that would have been amazing. But at the same time, I'd love to have just been there when Pantera were exploding into the metal yeah, version. Yeah, early Pantera would have been great. Um, but yeah, well, I, I did actually go to Live Earth. Yeah. yeah. Was that the Spinal Tap did or the uh, yeah. Metallica? It was did, yeah. sick. So Metallica, Spinal Tap, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, Madonna, Genesis. Sick. Genesis came out and landed the confusion. Ooh. Banging gig. Right. Um, I would actually so pay, yeah. good, uh, pay money to see Genesis play Mama. That's a, that's a song. Oh, cool. That's a song. That'd be good. So yeah. That's There's lots of bands that are still going now, but were better. <laughs> but were there any like. Oh, God. Actually, just looking at the. the I just. Quickly looks like a new issue. Um, Alice in Chains of Lane would be massive. Yeah, yeah uh, obviously yeah. Nirvana would have been great. Yeah. I, I saw Nirvana around the time of Bleach because I'm old. Oh, nice. Oh, I love to see. I, see what did I, I got to see Death with Chuck Shaw dinner. Wow. I got to see Deicide on Here the he is. Yeah. <laughs> Old grandpa time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think it's really good being old because I, you, I got to see all these things yeah. that you know that no one else. Seeing death as Chuck's pretty cool. Yeah, that was in about ninety one, yeah. I think. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I, yeah. Just just all this stuff when it was just coming out, like seeing Godflesh play in this tiny little venue in Brixton and literally thinking I was going to explode. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. That was the past. Now it's time to think about the future. <laughs> Luke is going to see Ministry this weekend. Yeah, Ministry and Chelsea Wolf. I will be there with you. Wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. That'll be an interesting gig. It's going to be yeah. Chelsea yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fucking decent that hell. But I, I'm interested to see how Ministry fans take to Chelsea Wolf. Like, it's not, I mean, they're not that different, but. I'm interested to see how Chelsea Wolf fans take to Ministry. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's gonna be great. Are you going anywhere? Are you doing anything? Uh, no, I think I'm finally looking forward to a, a week without gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Too much metal for yeah. me. It's been a wild few it's weeks. Actually, it's actually quite quiet leading up to all the festivals. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all done yeah. now. But Bloodstock is just on the horizon, so that's gonna be big. Yeah. We'll do a Bloodstock preview episode soon. We certainly will. Well, that'll have to be in uh, yeah about two weeks two time. Weeks God, it's coming. It's coming Shit. fast. Awesome. Uh, don't forget to pick up the new issue, Iron Maiden Spectacular. You will not read this feature anywhere else or get those killer gifts anywhere else. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Acast and leave us a review as well because it helps us go up them, them charts. Uh, we will Sweet see you charts. next week. Enjoy the weather. Be safe. Stay metal. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>